0: Hello and welcome to the BTG Podcast. I am your host, Jen Fable, of BTG Wellness and LiveLifeUnbroken.com. BTG stands for Bridge the Gap, and it is inspired by my own healing journey. After receiving seven different mental health diagnoses by the age of 19, I quickly realized that there was a massive gap between what I believed and understood in my head and what I truly felt in my heart. And no matter how many therapists I went to, I couldn't seem to bridge that gap until I found the tools and information that I share in my one-on-one private sessions, trainings, and right here on this podcast. My goal is to help you begin to bridge that gap by bringing you different topics related to mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And in case you didn't know, this podcast is recorded live during my weekly Zoom virtual healing circles. These are weekly virtual gatherings that are 100% free and no RSVP is required, so you are welcome to come whenever you can and stay as long as you want. Each week, we open the space with a candle meditation, after which I will share with you my favorite grounding practices and lead you through a circle casting, guided meditation and breath work, followed by a soul-inspiring gratitude practice. If you are interested in learning more about how you can continue your journey and experience my virtual healing circles in real time, please visit www.btgwellness.com slash circle and join my free circle membership. Of course, if you like what you hear in today's episode, please remember to leave a review and share the love by sharing this episode with your friends, family, and social network. And as always, if you have any questions, please know you can always reach out to me through my website at www.btgwellness.com or through email or social media. Hey guys, just a little note that you might hear some banging around in the background on this episode of the podcast. That would be our puppy Stella playing with one of her toys that I clearly should have taken away from her prior to recording this. So if you hear some bouncing or banging, not to worry, that's just Stella having a good time. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Virtual Healing Circle with me, Jen Fable of BTG Wellness and LiveLifeUnbroken.com. And tonight we're talking about how to heal your inner critic. We all have that little voice in our head that likes to say nasty stuff to us. In fact, we have lots of different voices in our head. Some say wonderful things and some not so much. And tonight I want to talk about not just your inner critic, but how that part of you fits into all the different parts of you. So why is this important? This is important because we have all sorts of parts in us and we have parts that are in conflict with each other. And when we don't know how to work with these parts, we can start to feel stuck. And so identifying the parts of us that are keeping us stuck allows us to bring them into more healing. This is important because trying to ignore your inner critic or drown out your inner critic or numb your inner critic, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So why not learn a better way? And this is important because even though it seems destructive and painful, your inner critic offers the opportunity to bring much deeper healing and meaning to your path. Now, way back in episode 38 of the podcast, we talked about the onion model of healing. Uh, If you missed that one, you're welcome to go back and catch up on that information. But here's basically a recap of it. We have at our core the essence of who we are. When we are born, all that exists is the perfection of this essence, the beauty of all that we are, all that we can be. Uh, If you've ever seen a a newborn baby, you don't look at them and go, oh, what a worthless piece of crap. No, we are born perfect. We are born worthy and lovable and wonderful. And that is the essence of who we are. And then somehow, very early in our life, we learn that. Who we are and our essence is somehow inconvenient for other people, is somehow bringing up their own inner critic, is somehow not good enough. And so we hide this essence in a layer of shame or what we call in the coaching world your un, unlovable, unworthy, unsafe, unimportant, not good enough. That one's not an un because the English language, we don't say un good enough. That shame and your un is your deepest, darkest wound. It is the part of us that we don't want to acknowledge, that we want to push away and pretend doesn't exist. And so when we have anyone in our life come close to even knowing Including ourselves, this deep, dark secret that is hiding our essence, we will cover that shame and that un in a layer of anger and fear. We will push people away. We will run away from them. We will try to bully ourselves or we will end up anxious because we want to hide from our deepest, darkest wound. Now, the unfortunate part is most of us believe that that deepest, darkest wound is our essence. That's how convincing. It is because it's developed so long ago that's been there so long, we don't realize there's anything underneath it. So, you have your essence, the perfection of who you are. You have it shrouded in a layer of shame and your un. You keep people away from that shame using anger and fear. And when that doesn't work, When people still get close to you because you want to be in relationships, you want to be connected, you want to shine your light so bright that you ignite the light in others. When you still fear that people might get to know the parts of you that you're terrified of, that's where we get defenses and what are called sub-personalities. Your inner critic is one of those sub-personalities or what is also known as a part of you. We all have different parts. Part of me believes I'm worthless. Part of me thinks I might not be so bad. Part of me knows I should wake up early and go for a run because it's good for me. Part of me wants to sleep in. Part of me knows I shouldn't binge on ice cream all night. Part of me is like screw it, I want my ice cream. We have all these different parts of us or what are called subpersonalities and these run the show most of the time. It's not our essence that we live from. Most of the time we're living from our subpersonalities and our defense mechanisms in order to hide the anger and fear, because we if we show that to other people, they're not going to want to hang out with us, which we're using to hide the shame, which we don't want to hang out with us if we live with that space. And so we live from this place of subpersonalities or parts. Now, when those subpersonalities, when those parts of us still aren't making the shame and the fear and the anger go away that's where we'll start to get addictive behaviors. That's where addictions will start to come in. So your inner critic is just a part of your personality. It is a sub-personality, and it's just one of the parts, one of the many, many parts that live inside of us. We tend to think that we're not supposed to have these little voices in our head. We all have that inner demon, the little angel on the shoulder, the little devil on the shoulder. All these parts of us are valid. And these parts, even when they feel absolutely Awful to us, always have positive intentions. Your inner critic, as miserable as it is, is there for reason, has a positive intention. What's really cool is you can get to know different parts of you and start to learn more about them. Now, our inner critic part generally has roots in a negative experience, usually from childhood, when we hit a space called threshold. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. Now, most of the work done on working with parts was founded and developed by a guy named Richard Schwartz. Richard Schwartz was a family therapist. He specialized in working with a lot of people with eating disorders. And he noticed that when he was working specifically with his bulimic clients, they were talking about different parts of them. That's literally the word that they use. They would say things like, I have this critic who, when something bad happens, will start to call me names. And then another part will feel really sad and alone. And then a Another part would come in to rescue me, and that's when I would engage in these terrible behaviors. And eventually that would get back to the critic part. And Richard Schwartz, who was a family therapist and was used to working with family members and family dynamics, noticed that as these parts interacted within his patients, they exhibited a lot of the same behaviors that we notice in external family systems. And so he developed a form of psychotherapy known as IFS or internal family systems. IFS was based on the idea that every human being is composed of a system of protective and inner wounded parts that are trying to keep a core self, our essence, safe. They might not be doing it in ways that feel great for us and they're all doing it for a reason. And just as members of our family outside of us will relate to each other and specific roles, our inner family, our inner parts also have these different relationships with each other. Now, IFS first came about in the early 1980s. There are now lots of practitioners all over the world. And the concept behind this is that when we have these different parts talk to each other, they shift. So what do I mean by a part? Like I said, parts are psychic subpersonalities. They are imaginations. There's no real devil living in your head saying, eat the ice cream. There's no actual little critic in your head saying, you're terrible. And it's a psychic subpersonality. and some of them can have very healthy roles. That wise, guiding voice, that part of us that knows the best parts of us. Those of you in Healing Circle, we always connect to the part of us that knows the best parts of us because it's there too. We just forget that it's there sometimes because we also have parts that are in very extreme roles. Parts are aspects of our consciousness that become functionally detached from ourself. Each layer of that onion thinks that it is the self, that it is the essence. And we believe it because we don't know. Each of these parts has their own beliefs has their own interests, has their own motives and memories and viewpoints and perspectives. And these parts are often created during something called a moment of threshold. A moment of threshold happens when something that is going on outside of you is bigger than what you know how to deal with. In colloquial terms, we'll call this a trauma. And in order to get you through a moment of threshold or a trauma where what's going on outside of you is more than you know how to deal with, it comes with a whole tidal wave of feely feels, if we held on to that big tidal wave of feely feels, we would completely fall apart and break down and we couldn't function. And that is completely contrary to our survival. And so we have a mechanism where we will hide parts of ourselves out of our awareness we'll shove them deep inside that onion, inside a part. Now, when your unconscious mind does this in moments of thresholds, it's not really that precise. And so it grabs everything in that moment that is like, ah, kind of like when you know that the, you know, when you're a little kid, you know, your parents coming to check if you cleaned the room, your room up, and you just like frantically shove everything under the bed. You're not really paying attention. So sometimes like something important ends up under the bed. You just kind of shove everything under there and can't figure out why later on you can't find your keys. Your unconscious mind's the same way, and so in moments of threshold, in traumatic moments in our life when we don't know how to handle it, in order to get us through it, we will create a part and we'll shove everything in it. If you've ever found yourself saying something like, you know, I used to love to color and draw, or I used to love to go dancing, and then ever since this happened, I just don't really feel like it anymore. That part of you, that loved to dance, got trapped and shoved in one of the layers of the onion because it kind of just got stuck in the the backlash. So these parts get created in moments of thresholds, and anything that existed, your beliefs, any values, any enjoyable activities, gets trapped inside this part. Now these parts, because they have their own wants and needs and beliefs and perspectives, they are functionally detached from the whole, and so they think they are the whole. Your inner critic thinks that it is yourself. It believes that it has to drive the bus because it doesn't trust you to do it. Because at some point you hit a moment of threshold and you didn't know how to do it. Most of us hit moments of threshold a lot as children. Children go through, you know... We have a a divorce in the family if a new sibling comes along even if it's wonderful we don't know how to deal with it and so as children we get lots of parts that are formed so most of our parts end up being quite young and they get trapped and frozen in time and because they believe they are the whole sometimes it means we act like we would have back then when we didn't have the resources we forget that we're the age we are now an IFS It is said that all of these parts of us can be categorized into three main categories. We have the managers, we have the exiles, and we have the firefighters. So managers are parts of you that are designed to protect you from being hurt by others. They're trying to prevent painful or traumatic feelings or big experiences from flooding your awareness. Their job is to run your daily life. Your managers are the most acceptable parts of you because they're most similar to your core self, which we're going to talk about in a moment. This creates an illusion of safety for your inner critic. Your managers use self-sufficiency to help prevent humiliation or abandonment. They handle the way that we interact with our world to protect us from being hurt. They are the responsible adults who help us function as we're supposed to. They are the shoulds in our mind. Some examples of how managers get the job done are through things like people-pleasing, perfectionism, the part of you that self-sabotages, the part of you that's anxious, the part of you that likes to procrastinate or overachieve or overthink or caretake. So those are our manager parts, and their job is to preemptively prevent anything from happening that is bad to us. We also have our exiles. Exiles. Exiles are the parts of us that are in pain and in shame. These are the ones that are created oftentimes in childhood from trauma. These are the parts that hold our pain and they take on our traumatic experiences to protect our core self. But in doing that, they can become stuck. These parts are designed to hide our rejected, wounded, traumatized self. These are the parts that believe that we're not good enough, that we're too much, that we're bad, that we're going to be dependent or abandoned. These are the parts of us that we try to hide from the world because we don't trust them to be okay with it. These are our deepest, darkest wounds, and these are called the exiles. Now, we also have a group of parts known as firefighters. These are parts that emerge when shit goes sideways, when one of your exiles gets triggered and tries to float up to the surface. When you see something outside of you that activates a core wound of not good enough, if you hold on to that, you're going to completely fall apart. Your firefighter comes in. These are our automatic reacting, attacking parts of us. These create diversions. These are called anytime anything hits too close to home, and they will create the illusion of stability by numbing us out, And by distracting us, the techniques that our firefighters like to use are things like anger issues, uh, overspending, eating disorders are the extreme form of it. But when we just sit there with a bucket of ice cream and eat the whole thing, that's your firefighter. Um, the part that wants you to numb out to social media, the part of you that says, screw it, I'm going to drink an entire bottle of wine. I can't deal with this. That's your firefighter part coming in to help keep you safe because holding on to the pain of the exile that's trying to break through is still overwhelming to you. Now, underneath all of these parts, what Richard Schwartz found was that when he had these parts begin to step back a little bit, inevitably, every single one of his patients would find a part of them that is the core self, that is the essence. Most of us don't know we have this. We think that the part's are us. We will say things like, I am an anxious person. I am a people pleaser. We identify as the part not knowing that underneath all those layers, there's the core essence, the core self. This is the wholeness and perfection of who you are. This is the part of you that shines its light so bright it ignites the light in others. Every single one of us has this part, but we just don't know. If you ask children, who is yourself? They'll be like, oh, it's just the real me. This is the natural essence, and it can be uncovered. And when uncovered, it doesn't need any improvement. It is perfect as it is when all the other parts of us feel safe enough to back up a bit, to trust that we have the skills now to take care of them, that we're not still that child who didn't know what they were doing. When we access that core self, what Richard Schwartz found was that there are different properties of the self, different characteristics, and he defined them as the eight C's. There's calmness, clarity, compassion, curiosity, confidence, courage, creativity, and connectedness. That is the essence of who we are. Underneath all the parts, including that darn inner critic who likes to yap, is the core essence of who you are that is curious and calm and compassionate. He also described five Ps for your core self, being presence, patience, perspective, persistence, and playfulness. Most of us are so busy trying to deal with the managers and the exiles and the firefighters that we forget or don't know that underneath all that, the core essence of who we are has playfulness and presence and persistence. Now, when it comes to the actual inner critic, you thought it was just one, but there's actually different types of inner critics. and We can have one or many of these parts as part of our internal family system. There is the perfectionist. This is the most common type of inner critic. It's the one that tells you that you're not doing enough and its job is to protect you from the judgment of others. These perfectionistic parts will often have great difficulty in finishing something or putting something out into the world because they believe that adding some tinkering will make it better and that it's never going to be good enough and that you always need to make it better to protect you from any negative feedback because if it's not perfect, someone might judge you. And so this perfectionist inner critic, its job is to keep you safe. You have your inner controller, inner critic. This is the one that tries to control your impulsive behaviors, such as eating, drinking, drugs, sex, whatever your vice is. Its job is to protect you from losing control and succumbing to addictions. So it's one of the firefighters that keeps an eye on things. We have the taskmaster inner critic. This is the one that likes to bully us into telling us that we're not doing enough. Keep pushing forward. This one likes to use the word should a lot. Its positive intention is to make sure that you're a success in society. It actually has a wonderful intention. It's doing it in a sucky way because it was probably formed when we were really young and didn't have better resources. And it wants you to be successful it's kind of fun there is the underminer inner critic the underminer is the part that tries to drain your self-esteem so that you won't take any risks it wants to keep you small it will make brutal attacks on you with the positive intention of keeping you small so that you don't experience that negative feedback so you can't possibly be rejected or betrayed or fail There's the destroyer inner critic. It will attack your self-worth by making you feel like you're broken. It's one of the most destructive critics because it will constantly shower you with shame, making you feel inherently flawed. Uh, People who have a very active destroyer often will compulsively apologize for their very existence. Their postures often slump. They won't make eye contact. They tend to have a history of extreme trauma whether it's physical, sexual, or emotional, psychological. Their destroyer parts believe that it's safer to just not exist, because as a child, their existence was a threat. Uh, I got to do some work with that one in myself. There's the conformist inner critic. This one uses shame to hold you accountable for hurting others. Um, This is the one a lot of us will hang out with a lot. It's very similar to the guilt tripper part of us, Um, It wants you to be part of a group and seeks to have you be liked by protecting you from any type of abandonment. It wants to make sure that you're not going to be an outcast of society because that's dangerous. When we are children, we need our family to take care of us. And so the conformist wants you to just get along, just be nice. Why did you do that? Make sure you do this instead so that we know that we belong. Now, in IFS, in in Internal Family Systems, Richard Schwartz talks not only about identifying the different critics, but how to work with them. He has a wonderful book, it's called No Bad Parts, I highly recommend it. It will walk you through how to identify your inner critic, and I'm going to walk you through the process really quickly tonight as well. For those of you who are in circle, you're welcome to play along with this. Uh, Those of you who are listening to this on the podcast, you are as well, unless you're in a car, then please don't, because this will require you to tune into your body and not pay attention to the outside world, and that would be unsafe. So the first step in identifying and working with your inner critic is to tune in and notice where it is. Find it. Ask yourself, where is the part of me that is my inner critic? And the first answer that pops up, I want you to notice. And it might be inside your body, it might be around your body. And just notice where your inner critic lives at this moment. Once you've found the part, you're going to focus on it. Become aware of it. Let it know that you see it. Notice what it looks like what it sounds like. Does it look like somebody? Is it saying anything? Notice how you feel towards this part of you. Do you hate it? Do you want to obliterate it? Do you love it? Is your heart open to it? In IFS, the goal is to find a place of compassion for this part. And oftentimes when we notice the inner critic part, it will bring up other parts. So if you find that when you notice your inner critic, you feel afraid of it, that fear is just another part. You can ask the part of you that's afraid of your inner critic, just take a step back and give you some space. And if it says yes, great. If it says no, that's okay. Get to know the part. Just pay attention to it. Let it know that you're there. If you then notice that once the fear steps away, there's a hatred for your inner critic and you feel hatred towards it, that's just another part. That's okay. Ask the part of you that hates your inner critic to take a step back and give you some space. Eventually, you'll find that you get to a place where you feel curious and compassionate towards that inner critic. When all the other parts have stepped back and given you space, you'll find a natural sense of compassion. Once you get to that place, you can follow along with the next steps. If you don't get to that place, that's okay. If you ask the part of you that's afraid or angry or ashamed to step back and it doesn't want to, that's okay. That's okay. Just take some time getting to know that part. If you've come to a place of compassion with your inner critic, get to know it. Ask it questions. How did it get this job? Does it like the job it's doing? Ask the part how old it is. And more importantly, ask the part how old it thinks you are. Oftentimes our parts think that we're still that little child that existed when it was created. And so a really interesting exercise is to let this part know how old you really are. If you ask it how old am I, it's like, oh, you're six. Say, I'm actually, and then tell it what's your age. So for me, I'm 45. And see how it reacts knowing how old you actually are. Ask this part what it's afraid of would happen if it stopped doing its job. Ask it what it would like to do instead if it could do something else. When we experience compassion and curiosity towards the part, we find that it starts to change its job. And in doing so, it starts to step back. And when it steps back, when we access this place of compassion, that's our true self. That's our core essence. That's the place we want to live from as much as possible. Your inner critic is just a part. It is not the essence of who you are. You can get curious with that part. You can get to know that part. You can ask that part if it wants to do something else. Uh, If you do pick up the book, No Bad Parts, Uh, Richard Schwartz talks about mapping your parts as well as an exercise known as a path meditation. Uh, You can go onto YouTube and look up IFS, path meditation, and there's some recordings of Richard Schwartz walking you through it, um, as well as how to identify and work with your parts. So if you want to do that, you can do it that way as well. Recognizing that your inner part is just a wounded aspect of self and not your actual self is a huge step. You're to uncover the light that lives inside you. So some key concepts to remember. Remember that we all have parts. We all have parts. Some that we like, some that we hate. And that's normal. That's natural. That's okay. That doesn't mean anything. It just means you're human. Remember that your inner critic is just one of the aspects of your psyche. And just like you have parts of you that don't like you, You also have the part of you that knows the best parts of you. And under that, you have your core essence. And remember that your self exists whether you tune into it or not. It's there. It just is. It always has been. It can't be otherwise. And when you start to allow all the other parts of you to move back and give you some space, you'll find yourself connected to a part of you that is calm. That is connected, that is curious, and naturally exudes compassion for yourself and the world. Man, could we use some of that. And as always, I want to remind you to decide you want it more than you're afraid of it. It can be scary to get to know this part of us that we've seen as a bully for so long. Decide you want it more than you're afraid of it. Allow yourself to ask the questions of the part, to get to know it, to offer it compassion. And to let it get up to speed on where you actually are in your life and not in what it fears. And that's the decision that will always take you to the next step. And as always, if you have any questions about anything from tonight's circle or podcast, please know you can always reach out to me through either of my websites, either btgwellness.com or livelifeunbroken.com or through email or through social media.
1: It it just makes me curious, I think, because as a lot of us, I think, here tonight are people who like work on this stuff almost continuously right um because even when something kind of semi feels healed we, we kind of come back back to it right sometimes and I think just like the little quote-unquote bad habits that happen that you no, know, you know you're not maybe dealing with something because you're like maybe overeating it's definitely something like I'll gravitate when you're like you're like thing of ice cream I'm like oh yeah well yeah big time or wine maybe even but um it's just kind of interesting to go. I wonder how I should address it in the moment because even though, like sometimes I do anger work, it just sometimes things still kind of hang or persist. Or um, I don't know, just kind of. I, I know you said like get to know it. That's kind of like and ask yourself those questions. Is there anything like there to kind of check it? If it's, I mean, other than you feeling better, to kind of make sure it's kind of scooted away, maybe, or yeah. if you're working
0: on. It? Basically, if you're not feeling calm. Compassion, curious, clarity, if you're not feeling those C's, then you're in a part, is what IFS says. And um, there's actually, uh, I found it on Vimeo, hold on, what's it called? Uh, Woman of a Certain Age. Uh, apparently it's from a film festival from a while ago it's by Kate Deering it looks like it's a little tiny video I don't know if it's part of a larger movie I think it's about 10 minutes the video and it's about a woman who's going about her day and as she goes about her day she ends up interacting with different parts so she's at the supermarket and she's looking at ice cream and all of a sudden a little six-year-old version of her is like get it I want ice cream she's like no no no, no, we're not gonna have ice cream. And the kid's like, I want the ice cream. And and so she's debating and arguing with this part of her. And then they have a scene where she's sleeping in bed in the morning, the alarm goes off, and the alarm says on it, go for a run. Um, and she's like, oh, and she's dragging herself up. And then her teenage self is in bed next to her, being like, Ew, you're always gonna be fat anyways. Why even bother? One run's not gonna make a difference. I'm tired, you're hungover, this is stupid. And she ends up arguing with that part of her what's interesting, there's another scene where she's working out and she's criticizing herself in the mirror. And all of a sudden she gets to hang out with her 70 year old self, a future version of her. And the 70 year old self is like, you're such an idiot. You're wasting that perfect ass on stupidity. If you only knew how amazing you are. And so we interact with these parts of us constantly. The goal of IFS is not to never have parts, is to recognize that when we are fighting with ourselves, when we are craving the ice cream, that is not the essence of us. That's a part. And we are allowed to get to know it. Hey, part of me that wants to down this entire bucket of ice cream, where do you live right now? Oh, you're like right here. Okay. What do I need to know? What are you trying to protect me from? Get to a place of compassion for the part. And then if you still want the ice cream, you still want the ice cream. And at least you're making the decision from the centered wholeness of who you are as opposed to from your potentially six-year-old part that's like yeah I want what I want right so you're right there's never going to be a time where you're like oh I only feel myself no parts are created in moments of threshold there will always be shit going on in the world that is going to push you over threshold there's going to be moments of your day that are going to put you over threshold and so parts are normal part of our existence what I love about IFS is it doesn't It doesn't make it a pathological issue, like, oh, you're an anxious person, or oh, you're a procrastinator. No, you are the essence of yourself, and you have a part that likes to procrastinate, and that is probably a manager who's there all the time, and so you've identified with it. So yeah, getting curious, asking questions. I have started during my meditations. When I meditate now, part of my meditation is to tune into one of my parts and get to know it. Um, I do like the path exercise. The path exercise is basically you imagine yourself at the beginning of a path. It could be a path that you've actually walked on before. It could be one that you're completely making up in your mind. doesn't matter. And you ask all your parts to just stay at the base of the path for a moment. So you ask if they'd be willing to just hang out at the base of the path. And then you start walking on the path. And if you notice there's a part that if you're like, oh, I'm feeling really afraid. Okay, the part of me that's afraid of this would you mind going hanging back and if any any time any of the parts are like no I don't want to leave you alone I don't trust you cool get to know that part hang out with a little bit that's okay there there's going to be times where your parts are like no I don't want to hang back here and if they let you walk forward you walk forward um Richard talks about making sure Richard like I know him Richard Schwartz talks about how um if you see yourself in third person walking the path then ask the part of you that doesn't trust you to be in your body to take a step back and go back at the beginning of the path so that you're in your own body walking the path. And eventually you'll get to a place where you're walking the path and you're feeling just curious and compassion and you'll just feel space and quiet. And you just kind of hang out there and you go for a walk. You notice what you notice about this core self of yours and then you go back to the beginning of the path and you welcome back the parts who wow. want to come back with you. And sometimes they're like, actually, that was cool. We were cool. This is great. I got to know my buddy over here. And other times they're like, thank God you're back. So does that answer the question? Yeah. It's, it's not about getting to a place of never having parts. It's about getting to a place of getting curious about our parts.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely gonna, act, you know, start doing that a little bit more. And I, I liked how you said sometimes like checking in and then finding out no, you're okay if you want to have that ice Like maybe you do. Maybe you just do want to have the ice cream. That's okay too. Yeah. I think it's important, like you said, because I think my mind started going on to like the, the inner critic where I was like, all these things that are considered quote unquote bad, they might not be. Maybe that night you just want it and that's okay too. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make you feel bad. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the part of us that believes it's bad, get to know that part. The part of Mm -hmm. us that believes it's bad to eat an entire tub of ice cream. What is the purpose of you? Where do you live? What do you look like? Let's get to know you. What Mm -hmm. is your job? Mm -hmm. What other job would you like to do if you could do another job? I'm not going to ask you to do another job, but if you could, what would you like to do? So get curious.
2: Yeah. 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 Very cool. My main uh, part is perfectionism. Um, it just takes over my whole being I don't know how to, um, talk to it, how to make it, um, uh, not as intense or whatever. It's just
0: always there. Right. So per- perfectionist, that's one of the managers. That's a managing part. Remember that it's there to protect us. And so if you were to know where is the, if the part of you that believes it has to be perfect, notice where it lives right now. Just notice where it is. It might be inside your body. It might be outside or around your body. And then get curious. Ask this part some questions. Literally during a meditation or during a moment of quiet, get to know the perfectionist part of you. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with, it. Nothing wrong with having it. And we want it to know that our core self is in charge and that it can trust us. This perfectionistic part of us isn't trusting us for some reason. And so we can get to know it. We can also ask it how old it thinks we are. Often our perfectionist self thinks we're much younger than we actually are and that it has to step in to keep us safe because it doesn't trust that we can do it. Um, I would highly recommend picking up the book, No Bad Parts um, and reading through it to get more of the information and then following the exercises in the book. It's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Again, I, I've been working with parts for years because I said, in my eight day training and my one-on-one work, we actually have a technique called a parts integration. And because we're always generating parts, I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. I can't constantly be like integrating parts and throughout my day, I can talk to them in the moment. I can remember That underneath that perfectionistic part, there is a core essence that is calm and that is compassionate and that we can tune into. And that is a practice. And so practice in a five or 10 minute guided meditation on YouTube. Practice it regularly when you're having a moment where you're freaking yourself out. Like I'm um, actually in my meditation tonight at a part of me, um, Stella has what looks like potentially conjunctivitis, so pink eye. And I'm like, (laughs) no and so there's a part of me that goes into like firefighting mode and freak out mode and I gotta fix it mode and so I asked the part of me that needs to fix stuff how old do you think I am it thought I was uh four years old when I told it that I'm 45 years old it looked perplexed like oh huh Now, does that mean I'm going to be like, well, sucks to be your dog's eye, right? Like I'm still concerned and I'm not in that panic firefighting mode. I'm able to respond from a place of calm compassion. So just get to know the parts. Like I said, read the book. It's it's very helpful. There are articles online that walk you through it. I like the book. It goes into some... What's the book? What's the name again? Sorry. No Bad Parts by Richard Schwartz. Um, it is really cool. And in the book, he shows some examples of clients he's worked with. So You get to see kind of the back and forth and how he's working with them. Um, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Um, and it's a wonderful, different perspective. That's what I like the most about it. It's a perspective of there's nothing wrong with me. I just have a perfectionistic part. I just have a freak out part. Yeah, you're just a part. That's cool.
2: Yeah, I think I just need to learn about the other parts. That perfectionist part just takes over everyone else's part. And I, like you're saying now, I have to learn about all the other parts of me and sort of have that perfectionist back off of it.
0: Yeah. And then finds underneath all the parts, there is that core essence. There is that self-energy, as Richard Schwartz calls it. And that part of us always will feel a sense of curiosity and compassion and calm and so we want to get to know the parts and then we want to allow them to give us some space we can get in touch with our light with the part of us that knows the best parts of us with the part that we want to shine so bright
1: my question is
2: um so what if you can't name the parts
0: so like when you were walking us through you know ask the part and ask them to take a step back the part was that that came up was just like all just in here and so I asked him to step back, and then I was like, "That's not far enough." So I asked him to step back another step, like another step back, and I was like, "Just the wall over there." Uh, and I just felt lighter. I have no idea what that part is. Like, That's I don't know what the name of the part is. I know nothing, but the, but it just like I felt a difference. So I don't know. Like, what if you don't know what they're called? Does it matter? So you would actually be interacting with the part. So in IFS, so Richard Schwartz was a family therapist. So he would have. Families come in and he'd say, okay, mom talk to dad, dad talked to kid, kid talked to mom and he'd, and he'd help them interact. And in interacting with the families in doing the family therapy, he was able to help the family find deeper healing with our internal family, with our parts. We want to do the same thing. We want to have a conversation. So have them step back and then get curious. So part, who are you? What is your job here? What is your function? Um, Once we get to that place of curiosity, then we can interact with the part. So once when it's really close, we're afraid of it or we don't like it, we can ask those parts. Sometimes we'll say to take a step back. Sometimes we'll say, you know, imagine that there's a little waiting room off to your left and ask the part of you that is afraid of the part or that is confused by the part. Ask that part to go step into the waiting room for a moment. And again, if the part says no, if you ask a part to step back and it says no, that's okay. We never want to force a part. We just want to get curious and say, well, who are you? So it's okay to not know what it is initially, and then you can just ask questions. So Richard Schwartz literally talks about having conversations with the part to get to know it, to let it know that it's seen by you, that you acknowledge its existence, that you're not trying to exile it or destroy it, that it's allowed to exist because it's a part of us. I had one part, so I did the mapping exercise, and I discovered a part that looked like a little girl, about six years old, locked in a cage in the dark, curled up in the corner in the fetal position, and I got curious, and, you know, all the parts that were afraid of that or terrified to talk to this part, I asked them to step back, and after doing the exercise, if I now check back in, the cage is open the sun is shining she's lying on the floor happily coloring and she's ventured out of the cage a few times to go hang out but don't force anything it's just in talking to her and letting her know that when I asked her how old am I she said that I'm six years old she thought I was still six I said actually I'm 45 and what do you want and she wanted me to just sit with her and hold her and comfort her because she felt alone And so when I I just kind of did that with her and then naturally when I went to check on her again, I noticed that it's now shifted. I'm not forcing her, I'm not like, get out of the cage or oh, like there's no judgment of it. If you find this judgment, ask the part of you that's judging it to take a few steps back or go into the waiting room. Yeah, it's like I said, it's very worthwhile to read the book because it walks you through how the process goes and just get curious with it. Now, again, you don't learn CPR when someone's on the floor turning blue. You learn it when you don't need it. So if you only interact with your parts when you're, like, in the moment judging someone, you might not be as successful. You want to get to know them when you have the time to get to know them. Because it's not just about step back, you know, step back, back up. No, get to know your parts. Get curious about your parts. So then I can ask the part that's, that's, um, that's keeping me unmotivated. I can ask that part to come forward i guess is that a thing is that yeah yeah i want to talk to the part of me that's unmotivated and get to Mm know the part so what is your function what is your job how old do you think i am um you know and if you're like judging that part of you then the part of you that's judging that part ask them to step back so you ask parts to step back for two purposes once you can talk to the primary part you want to talk to so if i want to talk to the wounded girl but i'm afraid the part of me that's afraid, step back. Okay, how do you feel about this wounded girl now? I want to cry. Okay, the part of you that wants to cry, go in the waiting room for a moment. Okay, little So you want to get to a place of compassion and curiosity for the little girl. I'm going to use the little girl in the example. And then I get to know her. Right? The other purpose of asking the parts to step back is like on the path exercise. You have them step back so that you can experience self-energy, even for a little bit. Now, you go back and you pick up your parts. You don't be like, great, bye no cuz that's ignoring them that's rejecting them yeah. so we don't want to reject them they are all that's why the book is called no bad parts all parts of you the perfectionist the unmotivated the ice cream eating rageaholic wine drinking bitch is valid and a part of us <laughs> and we don't want to destroy them that's how we end up with exiles that's well, all we do is we shove them into deeper layers of the onion We want to acknowledge them and we want to let them exist. We want to get to know them and we don't want them driving the bus. And so there's nothing wrong with a perfectionistic part. And if it's always in control, then that's probably harming us. So we want to get curious about it. So the whole point of asking a part to step back is to either connect briefly with your self-energy so you can experience your self-energy or so you can work with a part that you want to work with. So you don't just like, okay, it's hard to be that self-critic, back off. Well, okay, found the self, great. But you still want to then take time, get to know your self-critic. Get to know that inner critic of yours. Find out where does it live? What's it look like? Um, is it happy with where what it's doing? Does it want a different job? Yeah, It's a very interesting um, form of therapy. And what caught my eye about it is the fact that it started with working with eating disorders um many of you know that i've been recovered i've lost track i think this will be my 13th or 14th year my recovery anniversary in december um and so i know right it's, it's like it's a whole other lifetime now and i when i went through it i mean i was sick for well over 13 years and there's not really great resources for eating disorders like it's terrible and so the fact that he was getting success in working with people with eating disorders is what tuned me into this in the first place and When I started reading about them, like, interesting. And like I said, in the work I do, we work with parts. We know about parts. And we do an integrative process. But that process works with two main parts. And it takes about 30 minutes. And you require someone to walk you through it. What I like about IFS is it's a nice complement to that. Because it allows you to work with your own parts. It allows you to get to know them and get curious about who they are. And then find that self-energy underneath.
2: Richard Fork's last name one more time. I'm sorry.
0: No, it's all good. It's S C H W
2: A R T Z.
0: Or right. Z for the Canadians.
2: What does the IFS actually stand
0: for? Internal Family Systems.
2: Oh, okay.
0: So he believed that we have an external family system, like mom and dad and kids all relate to each other in specific ways. Everyone has their role in the family. Um, if you've ever studied toxic family dynamics, you know, there's like the golden child and the scapegoat. Everyone has their like role in the family. And just like we have these external family systems, we have the internal family systems made up of parts. So that's why he called it internal family systems, because he's a family therapist. That's what he did. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, this is great. So thank you so
2: much. If it's not your own inner critic,
3: if it's the voices of people in your life from the past, and over time you've grown to believe what they've said, and of course it's been repeated thousands of times since. So, how do you, as you were talking about some of the exercises, I tried to sort of imagine. Talking to that part, but then it was like a, a a huge lineup of people who have wagging the finger, see, but you are that way. This, 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 and this. How do you
0: break that? So those are all still just parts. Um, when so Richard Schwartz talks about, we can work with our managers. We can work with our firefighters. Working with our own exiles is not recommended. Remember, exiles are the deep, dark, shameful parts. Um, Usually that requires someone to hold space because otherwise we're going to get sucked into the drama of the part and then we won't be able to guide ourselves through it. So finding someone who is able to work with parts to help guide you through that process. Um, I mean, I'm highly biased. The tools I use, we just create better parts to listen to and help you, the techniques that I use that help bridge the gap between your head and your heart, allow you to more easily tune into the better parts. And then from there, it's easier to connect with the quote unquote exiles. Um, So if you find, so yes, parts of us are created sometimes by other people. And they will look like those people and sound like those people, but once they live in our head, they're our part. They are created mm. by that other person. And so the part of me that looks like my mom and's wagging her finger at me, that's just a part. And I can get curious about that part. Hey, part, can I ask you to take a step back just to give me some space? Cool. All right. So what is your job here? Well, I don't believe you're ever going to do anything right. Okay. Now, if I'm afraid of that part, if I'm feeling angered by that part, if I'm feeling saddened by that part, that's just another part of me. So I can ask the part of me that's angry or sad to take a step back. So I want to get myself in a place where I can be curious and calm around this wagging finger part of me. And then once I'm in a place of curiosity and compassion towards this part, then I can get, I can talk to it. As long as I'm reacting to it, that's just another mm-hmm. part of me. I can ask that part to move away. And so that's what Richard Schwartz talks about mapping. So my little girl in the cage started with um, the part of me that wants to run away from everything. And that part looked like a little dude sitting up on a mountain. And then I can't remember how the questions were to map it that Richard walks through in the book. But I went through, hold on, I got the sheet next to me. One, two, three, four different parts before I got to the little girl. Mm. So how they're all connected. So you might find that the wagging finger part might be connected to another part, connected to another part. And so when you do the mapping of them, you can find out how they're all connected, what their jobs are, what they're because, remember, all parts, even that nagging, wagging part that's telling you that you suck has a positive intention. And so we want to get all the parts that are causing us to react that wagging finger part out of the way so that we can find out what's its positive intention so i would recommend like i said i recommend the the book because it walks you through how to do that it gives you the information but it actually talks about the different exercises i believe like i said if you go onto youtube and look up ifs parts uh, meditation uh there is one about getting to know different parts of you um but i know that richard schwartz talks about not working with our own exiles. Right, So your exiles are the parts, those deep, deep shames, because it's going to be, it's easier to have someone else guide you. If you're like, I'm so scared of him, you need someone to help guide you to ask the question of, okay, the part of you that's scared, can you take a step back? Right, So it might not be something that you're able to do on your own. So if you find that, just get curious and let the part know. Okay, I found this exiled part and I'm freaking out and I can't seem to get myself out of it no matter what. I just want to let this part know. I see you. I see you. I know that you're here for a reason. I'm sending you some love and compassion. And if I can't send you love and compassion, I'm going to ask the part of me that can't to take a step back until I can. And then sometimes just acknowledging it creates a shift. Sometimes just that little bit of space. One, it lets us know that that part's not us. And so, yeah, a lot of our parts are created by others, by people in our lives saying things because some point our essence, the wholeness of who we are was inconvenient to them. They had to adapt. Mm -hmm. They had to set boundaries, you know, me crying as a child because I'm hungry, maybe was inconvenient to a parent and they yelled at me, right? So my essence gets covered in these parts. And Mm -hmm. when I interact with the parts, at the very least, I start to realize that I'm not them that underneath all of them that's the cool part about the path exercise that i can temporarily let all my parts including the wagging finger one if it'll let me if it's okay with it to stay at the base of the path while i go for a little walk and just find me for a moment and if i can do that then that me must exist and then that's just another part of me and that's okay so yeah
3: when you talked about that part that was like i that struck me resonated very, very, very intensely. Mm -hmm. I've had moments where I've been connected to the essence, but not nearly enough.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Most of us don't even know that that essence is there. We believe that the parts are us. We even use language that makes it seem like that. mm -hmm. I am anxious. I am a procrastinator. I am a perfectionist. Some mm -hmm. of us wear these as badges of honor thinking that that is who we are. What I love about IFS is it lets us know that that's not, that underneath that is the core essence. And that, yeah, it's hard to connect with on a regular basis. And that's a great practice to start our life, spending a few minutes. So Richard talks about doing the path exercise daily. Right Every day, just for a few minutes, connecting with your self-energy by asking all your parts just to stay at the base of the path. I'm just going to go for a walk. And some days, they'll let you. And other days, they're like, nope, we're coming with you. And then in those moments, just get to know the parts. Okay, the part of me that doesn't want to hang back, that wants to come with me, who are you? Oh, you're okay, what do I need to know about you? Get curious. Get curious. Just get to know the parts of us.
2: Because they're us. They're parts of us. That's
0: pretty profound. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And like I said, I highly recommend reading the book because I mean, there's only so much I can talk about in like the 20 minutes that I have (laughs) for this, right? So there's all so much more information in the book, no bad parts. Um, He goes through different techniques. Um, There's certainly the ones on YouTube, but having the background information can be really helpful. Uh, And seeing the different examples that he posts is really helpful as well. Hey, thank you for that. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the BTG Podcast, which stands for Bridge the Gap, with me, Jen Fable. Remember, if you want to experience my virtual healing circles in real time, visit www.btgwellness.com slash circle. And of course, if you have any questions at any time, please know you're always welcome to reach out to me through social media or through my websites at btgwellness.com or through my coaching website, livelifeunbroken.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.